On today's Bonkers.ie podcast, myself, Quiva, will be taking a look at how retrofitting can make your home more energy efficient and help lower your bills. We'll hear from a very special guest, Dr. Oliver Canan, Associate Professor in Sustainable Building Technology at UCD and leader of the Building in a Climate Emergency Research Lab. We'll also hear from Caroline Ash Brady, Commercial Director of Core Retrofit, a company which offers a one-stop shop approach to all your retrofitting needs. So, if you want to find out all about how to retrofit your home and business, stay tuned. So Oliver Canan is a leading mind in the world of sustainable building and environment and has worked on projects such as the EU Green New Deal as well as being part of the Joint Directors Committee on Environment and Climate Action. And today he is in to talk to us all about retrofitting. So first off, welcome to the podcast, Oliver. Thanks, Quiva. It's great to be here. Great. Thank you so much for coming in. So to kick off everything, can you just tell us what exactly is retrofitting? I suppose in its most basic form, retrofitting is adding a component to something as it's already manufactured. So when we talk about retrofit in the the context of buildings, I guess what we're doing is we're adding new technologies or new materials to a building to enhance its performance, particularly from an energy perspective. So we might do simple shallow retrofits, which might be looking at individual elements like attic insulation, wall insulation, or the heating system, windows, draft proofing, could be a wide range of stuff. When we talk about deep retrofit, we look at the building holistically, and we look at all of those elements together, come up with a solution for that building that adjusts all of those elements, I guess, with the aim of making it operate more efficiently into the future. Great. And just on shallow and deep retrofitting in Ireland in general, what have you found people are more leaning towards? I mean, historically, people would have tended towards shallow retrofit. But as we try and align with the National Retrofit Plan, we're trying to move homes, particularly those in the G and F categories, up to a B2 standard. And that generally requires a deep retrofit. to to achieve that. So people are, I suppose, engaging more with the SAI through the one-stop shops and uh, following a deep retrofit path. And building on that, so you had said one of the core reasons for retrofitting is to make your home more energy efficient. And I was looking into this and according to the SEIA, Irish homes account for almost a quarter of Ireland's carbon emissions, which is a staggering number. I was shocked Mm. about that. And, you know, they generate more carbon emissions than the entire industrial sector in Ireland. So keeping that in mind, what would you say are the main reasons really people should be supporting this retrofit program that's going on in Ireland? Well, I suppose it, like, it is a huge share of our carbon emissions. And the reason for that really is because most of the energy that we use in the home is fossil fuel-based energy. Yeah. Because the majority of energy that we use is either used to heat the spaces that we live in or to heat the hot water that we use yeah. in our taps and our showers. And that's generally heated using an oil-fired or gas-fired boiler. Increasingly, we're seeing more electric heat pumps come online. And the great hope, I suppose, is that as we green the electricity supply system through addition of renewables and we transform our home heating systems to electricity that can then draw on that green energy then we can reduce those carbon emissions dramatically. 30% of the heat we use in our home is lost a lot of the time automatically because we don't have our homes properly insulated in Ireland. Yeah. That's staggering. It is staggering, yeah. We do have a housing stock that is pretty poorly insulated. I mean, a lot of it was built pre-1970s. And even up until, you know, the mid-90s, we were 
under-insulating homes. The best insulated homes or those homes that really see the value from insulation is, is when the insulation blanket is like totally wrapped around the building, yeah. essentially, and you don't have gaps in the insulation. Insulation matches with the, the gap in the double glazing, which is the insulation layer of the, of the glazing. You know, that you don't have bridges, what we call thermal bridges around sills, around lintels, yeah. around different elements like that, junctions between wall and roof and things like that. And the other point I should make too yeah. is not just energy loss really for the home user, it's also the thermal comfort. You okay. know? When we insulate or retrofit homes, we improve the comfort conditions quite yeah. dramatically. And, and I mean, some, some people, particularly those like in, in energy poverty kind of situations, will live in very, very cold, yeah. like, you know, dangerously cold kind of conditions for their health. And when we see actually these homes retrofit, even if they're still not using energy too much in the home, we see indoor temperatures rise quite considerably, you know, and to safe levels of occupancy. Now, you'd mentioned earlier about the National Retrofitting Plan that was launched in 2021. And the aim of that is to get 500,000 homes retrofitted by 2030. So can you let us know what is happening? The National Retrofit Plan is a, is a key part of the Climate Action Plan, but it is hugely ambitious. You know, it really is. To, to retrofit a quarter of our homes in such a short time horizon, it's going to be, a, you know, it's, it's a real yeah. challenge. By the time we get to the end of this year, I think there's 37,000 retrofits expected this year that will be supported by the SAA. I think we'll be at somewhere at about around 80,000 since the scheme was kicked off, which is about 20% or less than 20%, about 15%, I think. A lot, a lot of work to do in, in the remaining years mm-hmm. to 2030. But certainly, as I say, it's a key part of our climate action plan. And it, because of the nature of the fuels that we're using in homes, the dirty nature of them, I think it's a really important part. Um, I think as the scheme develops further, we'll find greater efficiencies with it. I mean, particularly at the moment, it's very much focused on individual homes. It's only really when we get into social housing schemes that we see mass retrofit or scaled up retrofit. And there's lots of efficiencies that are available when you get to scaled retrofit. And you're just replicating a solution for each home rather than designing a bespoke solution for every single home. So someday, hopefully, we'll get to the point where we're just taking long terraces of houses and, and, and retrofitting them. Now, there's a lot of people, particularly say, maybe people from the architecture community would, would be horrified by that idea because... Their designs. <laughs> yeah, and you change the character of urban areas quite dramatically. Yeah. Also, as the scheme progresses and as retrofit progresses generally, we can achieve what we want to achieve much more sensitively, you know, and we can understand what buildings can be retrofit internally, which ones can be retrofit externally, and what the optimum solutions are. Okay, so know? it's a bit of a learning process as absolutely. it goes. And we want to, like, avoid demolishing homes. Absolutely, absolutely, because yeah. we're wasting all the embodied characters that's sunk into those buildings you know it's early stages we're yeah. we're at the start of a, of, a, of a long learning curve here the one worry I would have about the national retrofit scheme I suppose is just the amount of work that's going to happen in a short space of time without that knowledge you know yeah we really need to build that knowledge in parallel I think yeah to make sure everything is going yeah. correctly and for the majority of people then in Ireland would retrofitting be accessible is there any grants out there? Yeah, so the SEAI have a wide range of grants and I'd, I'd really direct people to their website and they even have info videos on YouTube and things like that. There's like the Warmer Home Scheme, which is kind of focused around people in situations of energy poverty where yeah. somebody might be spending about 10% of their income on energy costs. And in that case, there's a whole scheme that funds retrofit of, of those homes. They also have schemes where you can do individual interventions and in some cases they cover up to 80% of the 
the cost of insulation, be it attic wow. or That's or a lot of support. It is a lot there. of support, yeah. yeah. I mean, like for heat pumps, they're offering 6,500 now. PVs, I think you can get to about 2,000, 2,400 yeah. for, for photovoltaics. So that's, um, you know, give you s- solar powered electricity yeah. on your rooftop. That aligns then very well with your heat pump if you have a heat pump. And if you want to make money back as well, micro generation, there's so many incentives for people to get on that renewable energy bandwagon. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But even if you're not going to, you know, jump for those big interventions, big technologies, there's a lot of grant money offered for um, attic insulation, wall insulation that can really change the performance of home quite quite remarkably. And so if I wasn't going to do a deep retrofit and I wanted to do it um, one step at a time, what would your advice or suggestion suggestion be would be the first thing I need to look at to retrofit my home? Well, there's a, there's a well-used phrase that is fabric first. Okay. Um, even in the case where you're putting in a heat pump, the recommendation is generally fix the fabric of the building. You put a heat pump into a, a leaky building, um, it's it's going to really, you know, have to perform at... A, a, you it's know, a waste. It's a waste, yeah. 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 It, it won't perform optimally. What we say is, you know, work the fabric of the building, draft proof where possible, improve the ability of that home to retain the heat that you produce. And if you do that, then you can run low temperature radiators using a heat pump quite optimally. When I did draft proofing in my home, own home, made a huge difference. Did attic insulation, noticed the difference as well. You know, did, did, yeah, right. In a in a period property, it's it's often difficult given different features and things like that. And also, we have an issue in older buildings that they're not really designed for impermeable insulations because yeah. you get moisture in the walls. So, um, so that's a complex, a more complicated kind yeah. of building physics kind of question. So it's really point people towards the fabric. You know, cut out those drafts, insulate those walls, and you'll see it. You know, very quickly. Brilliant. In Ireland, the majority of our homes, as you already mentioned, were built before the 70s. So they have pretty low energy ratings. So how would you say Ireland is performing in terms of comparing it to our European counterpart? It's a difficult question to answer exactly because there's really a lack of data, you know, or or good data about the building stock across Europe. And and there's often claims that the BER database kind of is is a pessimistic reflection of of our housing stock. At the same time, I mean, Ireland and the UK is similar. We would have a a housing stock that would be less energy efficient than Nordic countries, where there's been a lot more attention paid to this through a lot more for a lot longer yeah. amount of time. I mean, I think in Ireland too, one of our major challenges really is the proportion of homes that are detached, semi-detached. Whereas if you go to continental Europe, you see a lot more multi-housing units. And I mean, that makes it a challenge for us to retrofit our housing stock because you know, in that case, you have a detached home, you have four walls and a roof, and you have to... Insulate it all. Insulate it all, you know, whereas in, in a lot of Europe, and we've, we've seen a lot of schemes through the last uh, decades and, and more, you know, where they can just go into a housing project and, and, and externally insulate it. So it, it's, it's a challenge for us, and it's certainly one of the reasons our, our housing stock is, um, I mean, unsustainable relative to the rest of Europe. One of the things that we really need to do is stop kind of building that kind of housing and yeah. you know when we look at the type of housing that's still being built on greenfield sites on the edges of towns it's all detached semi-detached housing low densities with roads traveling to them a lack of public transport or a lack of alignment between public transport and new development so we, we're locking in carbon emissions into this kind of housing development yeah. for decades into the future 
So we're better off just having our homes in urban settings. We'd very much, yeah, push for that compact urban growth within urban settings, infilling where we can, using the buildings that are, uh, you know, that are vacant and dilapidated, you know, renovating those, bringing them back into play has a wide range of advantages beyond, you know, energy and carbon. I mean, you can rejuvenate town centres, you can bring life back into places that have fallen on hard times. Yeah, there's a lot of derelict homes everywhere, especially in the countryside, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Just building off, talking about Europe, you have been involved in a lot of major national and international projects to do with retrofitting, such as the EU Green New Deal. Is there a particular project that you've been involved in that you are very proud of? Proud of all of them. Yeah, I, I oh, think. of course. Um, I have a project at the moment that's going really well. It's called the Fab Trads Project. It's supported by the SAAI, okay. where we're looking at kind of how do you... It's one thing to retrofit a contemporary home. It's a much more challenging task to, to kind of specify a retrofit for a traditional built home. So they have been, you know, rubble walls or stone walls or solid brick yeah. kind of walls. So we have a whole project around that, looking at the materials that go into making those wall types and their propensity to pick up moisture, take up moisture and the amount of moisture in those walls. And that hopefully will lead to another project where we kind of look at the optimal methods of retrofitting those those buildings. Well, I think that's really important as well, because there's so many people in these gorgeous old style homes their energy bills are through the roof and they probably just feel like they can't retrofit their home because it's protected is that the case a lot of the time it is it is and, and I suppose we'd always warn people who live in period properties or traditional built properties to you know be very careful and, and seek out good advice before retrofitting if you do have a period home you are still able to make your home energy efficient you just have to go about it a little bit more carefully yeah in period homes there are low-hanging fruits as well you know the windows are a place where you can make huge savings you know yeah. because if you have the original windows or even if the windows were replaced in the 40s or some 50s or something like that it's likely you have single glazed windows where you essentially have no insulation layer so one of the great progressions of buildings was double glazing and now we're up to triple and quadruple glazing but essentially by doing that you're trapping an an insulation layer between two panes of glass so there's there's new slimline products that you can use to replace the original glass Again, a lot of people involved in the conservation field would say, no, don't do that because there's a certain character to that original glass. But then in that case, what I did in my own home, loving that kind of character that original glass has, is I put in a whole new secondary glazing layer on the interior. And that's one that can be removed in time as well without any kind of damage to the character of the windows. But what it does is it sets up essentially a, a triple layer of glazing form for me. And the, yeah. the U-value, I've tested the, the, it using heat flux sensors, and the U-value of those windows has gone from like six down to one, you know, wow. so. So next up, I will be speaking to Caroline Ash Brady, the commercial director of Core Retrofit, an Irish retrofitting company that aims to make domestic, commercial and community-based buildings more energy efficient. Bonkers.ie is a one-stop shop for saving on all your household bills. Switch and save today across a range of energy, broadband, banking and insurance products with our free, easy-to-use tools. Now, for many people, especially those looking to do a deep retrofit of their home, they may be heading for the one-stop shop approach rather than organising themselves. And that is exactly what Caroline is going to talk to us about today. So welcome to the podcast, Caroline. Thank you very much, Cleva. Delighted to be here today. It's great to have you here today. And I'm really looking forward to getting a kind of grassroots approach to retrofitting so people actually know the process involved when they start their journey. So first off, can you tell me what exactly does Core Retrofit do? Okay, well, I suppose the whole idea of a one-stop shop 
is that you are a homeowner and you want to you decide that you're going to renovate your home or just make it more energy efficient and you want somebody to take care of the entire thing end to end for you and that's the whole idea of core and the one-stop shop so once you have your project and you want to get a sense of what could be possible for your home you come to core we bring you through the entire process some of our customers will come they may already have a local contractor they want to work with some will not have a contractor we will facilitate both so you come along we assess your house we match you with a contractor that is best suited to complete the works on your property, somebody local to you. And then our team facilitate the entire process. So making sure everybody on site is working to the standards they need to work to, make sure the contractor is using the right products. We take care of the grant application. We take care of all of the quality inspections on work on site. And then the close off process, all your commissioning, your documentation, everything that's required by SAI, we take care of all of that for the customer, submit it to SCAI, and then we wait at the end for the grant. So the grant is ne it's net of grant for the homeowner. So they only pay us if, for example, the works are 70,000 euro and the grant is 30, the customer's paying us 40 and we wait for the grant on the other end. So that's a real quick summary of the process. So it's kind of like a project management service right. that you're offering. And I think that would take a lot of pressure off people as well and um, that you guys look after the grants too. Because I know I was looking at it myself and it was very overwhelming the amount of grants available. Yes, that is the thing. The one-stop shop grant does, there are some bonus um, payments and other grants um, for the homeowner, like the windows and door grant. You can't get those through the single grant measure route. So there's extra money available there to homeowners. It is complicated. That's not to say that the people uh, that want to go the single measure grant can't get it across the line, but it's very time consuming. Typically one project could have up to 40 to 50 pieces of paper at the end that need to be submitted to SEI in order to draw down the grant. So we take away all of that hassle for the homeowner and the risk of them not getting the grant, if you understand, because we know what's required. And having your help, does that kind of ensure then that the homeowner will move up in their BER rating? Yes. So what we do, the start of the process, Quibas, we will send a BER assessor out to the homeowner's home and the BER assessor does a full assessment of the home. And we're then looking to see where you, where you are in terms of your current BER rating. Typically, we're seeing anybody from very low um, Gs, Fs in their BER rating up to a poor performing C BER. After that, what you are going to, after the one-stop shop process, in order to qualify for the grant, you will have a minimum B2 on your home. What we're finding is that with the works that we're doing, the majority of our customers are actually getting as far as an A. So you kind of mentioned the start of the process there. So can you tell me the steps involved um, if I do want to retrofit my home from start to finish? Okay, so the first thing is you'll have a, a consultation call with one of our team here. They take the first initial call from a homeowner. And what we're doing is we're getting a sense of what you want to achieve in your property what your, the current state of the property. And we talk as well with the client about indicative budgets at that stage, you know, get, getting an understanding. Some people will come on and say, okay, well, I want to do renewables, but I really prefer solar panels. I don't want the heat pump. Other people will want bells and whistles. So we typically will pull up a picture of the house on Google Maps as we're talking to the customer. And that gives the customer a really good indication of the process of what we can do for, with their home at the start. We then, if the client is happy to proceed at that point, we move to the home energy assessment stage. 
At that point, that's when we're sending somebody out to your property to do a deep analysis of your building, where it currently is in terms of energy performance. And once we get back here to the ranch, as we say, back to the desk, we're then seeing based on what the customer is looking to achieve and their property, we're designing the works at that point, what they should do with that property, fitting with their budget as close as possible and to meet their needs. And that's what the home energy assessment is, a full report on what you need to do in order to get to that B2 rating to qualify for the higher level grants. So typically, Caroline, how long can I expect the entire retrofitting process to take from getting in contact with you till getting the keys to my door and all the retrofits are done? So um, it's, I suppose typically projects can vary. The home energy assessment stage will take up to four to six weeks, depending on where you are in the country and how busy assessors in that area are. So the quickest projects we have can take up to four months. The longest are typically nine months. So we're, we're somewhere in between there. So there's not, a, there's not one answer for everybody. It's really dependent on the project. And I just have two questions to follow that up with. So there were a lot of delays last year. Is that still the case now? No, it's not. There's still some delays can still happen. And it's typically around the pricing stage, typically four to six weeks again to get proper pricing and get all the negotiations with the contractor completed. Typically, we're seeing all those delays gone, thankfully. And for people who are doing a deep retrofit, do they usually have to move out of their home? Because nine months is a long process. No, the majority of our customers don't move out of the home. Some will choose to move out when they're doing renovation work. So what is the entry point for most people who are beginning a retrofitting process? Now, this is if they're doing one-stop shop or if they're going through the single retrofit route. Is there a lot of interest now in EV chargers and solar panels or what do you see as most popular? Most people are coming first to wrap their property. They want it very, very comfortable in terms of insulation levels. Most people are using the fabric first approach. Um, it, it's, it's a little bit like if you're wrapping, you, you won't need to use a heating system. The warmer your property is, the better in terms of the less, the less heating requirements. There is a huge amount of interest on heat pumps. So people just wanting to move away from fossil fuels, Cleva. That, yeah. That's the big thing. Um, we are seeing certainly a number of EV chargers going in and we're seeing again it will be project specific Cleva and it will depend on what that home can achieve if you're a homeowner and you put in a brand new boiler two years ago you can look at it and say well they're still using fossil fuels but we have to think about pulling out a brand new kit and replacing it and the impact that has on the environment so there's lots of things to take into consideration. Now, you mentioned the government there reducing VAT on solar panels. And a, a big thing the government and the SEII are doing is providing these grants for people. So as you kind of mentioned there earlier, you apply for the grants for people. Do you decide which ones they will be? Or do I have to know when I contact you what grants will be best suited for my home? No, so it's it's all driven by the home energy assessment. So when we come along to your property, if you've just upgraded your windows and doors in the last five years, you won't be upgrading your windows and doors again. And so the measures that we, and uh, the works that are done in your home and the ones that are recommended for your home, they're the ones we apply for from SAI on your behalf. So if you've replaced your windows within the last few years, it wouldn't make sense to replace them again. So in that instance, we wouldn't be applying for the window grant. So it's just whatever the home energy assessment says your property needs, whatever the homeowner is looking to achieve, that will drive the grant application. Typically for a one-stop shop, the average grants are somewhere between 25 and 30,000 euro. And it will just depend on what type of house you have. So if you're in a detached house, 
you get more grant aid, but it's more expensive to insulate your home or uh, and do the works in your home. So it's driven by house type. And for people who are not in a detached home, maybe they're in an apartment or maybe they're renting from a landlord, can they still apply for grants as well? So it would have to be the landlord that would apply for the grants in that in that instance. Again, apartments, we have done some apartments. They would be typically smaller apartment blocks. For lo- the larger apartment blocks, you need all of the people in the apartments to agree for it to make sense to, to do it. So thank you so much, Caroline. That was brilliant to get all that information on Core Retrofit. And thank you for coming on to the show today. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Cleva. Protect yourself from the unexpected on Bonkers.ie. Get the best rates on life insurance, mortgage protection insurance, home insurance and car insurance. Welcome back to the last segment of the Bonkers Study podcast and my favourite section. So I'm going to now ask Oliver a few questions that are the most common ones that pop up and the most unusual ones too that are related to retrofitting your home. So number one, you mentioned grants earlier in the podcast, but are there any other supports for people out there looking to retrofit their home? I know a lot of the banks at the moment are offering green loans or they offer favourable mortgage rates for homes with higher BERs. So certainly that's a good incentive. I know you guys at Bonkers.ie have the Lifetime Home Scheme, which seems like a very positive step yeah. as well. Our, our lifetime loan, so people can basically release equity from their home. If they're over the age of 60, they've paid off their mortgage and they can put that back into rejuvenating their home and keeping it a lot warmer for themselves. Yeah, great. And can I apply for a retrofitting grant after I have done the retrofits to my home? I don't think so. No, as, as, as far as I'm aware, you have to touch base with the SEAI in the first place before any works are done. Apply for the grant, then do the works, probably through one of their recognised contractors. If I put in my own retrofits to my house, will my BER go up or are there certain standards that need to be met? You can always bring in a BER assessor afterwards and include the works. Yeah. Uh, absolutely have, the, have them recognise the works. I did that yeah. and, uh, the, and the recommendation from people I talked to was photograph everything, you okay. know, so that you have proof. I would advise if people really want to, that to be recognised, there are mechanisms through the SAAI to get that done. You know, you bring in the BER assessor to do the assessment in the first place, you set up the works, get them done by an approved contractor and then get the building reassessed. That's the assured way of getting it recognised. Do I need planning permission if I want to retrofit my home? It depends on what kind of works you're doing. If you're extending considerably beyond the 40 metres squared, the limit you can do without planning. Yeah. If you're extending the home or changing the boundaries of the home, yeah, you always have to be cognizant of staying within the limits Mm -hmm. that you can do that without having to apply for planning. In the case of a home that's maybe within an architectural conservation area or is a protected home or is of heritage significance uh, yes you know often times you will require planning oftentimes you won't get planning and for you know for good reason so again really advise that people talk to somebody who's really in the know in, in that case it's, it's really I suppose the major issue would be around external insulation you okay. know if you have a red brick period property for example you're not going to get planning to put external insulation over it and change over the it. character of that building yeah. relative to all its neighbours. And for homes that are being built right now, what BER rating are they automatically built with? The majority of homes that are being built now are, are A-rated homes. Mm-hmm. And, and that really should be the case and, and is, is really what we're driving for. You know, many of them have heat pumps installed. Many of them have photovoltaics or they're future-proofed for yeah. including photovoltaics. And many are, are well insulated with very low U-values. So many of them would be rated at, at A-rated homes. 
And if I'm sitting at home in my house right now, how do I know if I need to check that I need to retrofit my home? I think the key thing is whether you feel cold. You know, if, if the home feels cold in the wintertime, it likely needs to be retrofit. I suppose I should say that retrofit isn't the only solution. You yeah. know, I mean, 10, 15, 30, 40 years ago, we lived in buildings totally differently. In a Victorian house or something in Dublin, people would heat a single room and everybody would occupy that room and then move to another room. So they might move from the kitchen to the living room in the evening time, individually heating rooms yeah. as they went kind of thing and for brief periods of time. So, you know, there are lots of energy savings that are available available without tampering with the building. And if you're willing to do that, it's probably the better solution. And lastly, before we go, what advice would you give to homeowners who are considering starting the retrofitting process? I would advise that people try and speak to an expert. Have somebody in to make an assessment of the home, guide them in the retrofit process. Certainly don't jump to, to a solution without actually proper understanding of the buildings. The buildings are really complex mechanisms and there's a lot of variability across them. They're built over a long stretch of time and with very different technologies, very different kind of operating conditions and that all needs to be respected. So there's not a single solution for retrofit for buildings. So talk to people who are in the know, talk to more than one person and try and get a, a scheme or a design that's appropriate for your building type. And then I think I'd recommend people go for the low-hanging fruit in the first case. Drafts, I suppose, very obviously cold places that might be driving the energy load. So if you have a, a return or an extension that, where you have a, a, a toilet or a bathroom area, you know, that might be driving the energy load of the house because people want a warm bathroom, maybe. How about insulating that extrusion before insulating the whole building? Great, thank you so much for coming in today, Oliver. It was great getting all your insights into the world of retrofitting. Yeah, thanks, Quiva. It's great to be here. That brings us to the end of our Retrofit special. I want to give a special thanks to our guest speaker, Dr. Oliver Canan from University College Dublin, for his insight into the retrofitting sector, and Caroline Ash Brady from Core Retrofit for her knowledge on the process of retrofitting your home. Lastly, I want to give a special shout out to our research and editing team. So thank you, Theo and Zoe. And if you want to learn more about how to retrofit your home and the grants available, head over to the guide and article section on bonkers.ie to get more information about the different installation options available to you. You can also cut the cost of your electricity and gas bills by using our free energy comparison tool, which will help you find the cheapest deal on the market. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the bonkers.ie podcast on your podcast app of choice and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok for our top renewable energy, electricity and gas saving tips. Bye for now. Thank you.